Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research, a broker-dealer, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and Cornerstone Financial Consultants are not affiliated. So hello and welcome to the Journey Mindset Podcast. My name is Sean Ulrich, and I'm joined by my co-host Ron Shear, and we are both financial advisors at Cornerstone Financial Consultants in Washington, Missouri. So you can connect with us uh, at thejourneymindset.com, and that'll lead you to actually my personal website where you can get in touch with me and reach out if you have any questions for us to address, or if you find yourself in a place where you're looking to see if working with us at Cornerstone would be a good fit for you. So Ron has been in this business since 1992, and he was previously part owner and general manager at a local radio station here in town, KLPWAM 1220. So he is really the seasoned pro on this team, and I'm just uh, I'm just a guy here trying to figure it out. So I'm going to be honest, Ron, as, as far as getting this whole podcast thing off the ground, man, I feel like a little kid showing up to his first t-ball game you know I, I might hit the ball and run towards third base so hey no problem with that at least you've teed up the ball and you're standing at the plate there's a lot of people <laughs> who don't uh, even throughout life have that much courage so uh, that's a compliment man i appreciate you saying that so i'll tell you what man i'm we're at least moving in the right direction so despite all that ron how are you doing today i'm doing fine sean it's uh it's a rainy day here and uh uh, but still, there's uh, a lot of good things going on. There's some positives in the market. And I might say that uh, in spite of everything with the COVID, uh, COVID-19 uh, pandemic that's going on, the people that I talk with, they're very, very positive uh, with, with what's going on there in their life. Not so much the health issues in the country. That's, of course, disconcerting for all of us. But nonetheless, there's a positive attitude, uh, particularly here in, in our area, and I would probably reach out and say as far as the Midwest and maybe throughout the country. It's something that, that uh, it's, been, uh, it's been very difficult, might get a little more difficult as time goes on, but it's the type of thing that American people will rise to and will get through it. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And I think that's something that we try to do when we have our clients call in is to reassure them and to let them know, hey, we've been through this before. It may not be the exact same illness that's actually taken our country and put us in a difficult position, but it's something that we've always been able to fight through as a country. And so I really look forward to to hopping into our podcast today. So what we have is actually just kind of taking a deeper dive into our, our name, the name of our podcast, which is The Journey Mindset. So, you know, before I get started with this thing, I think it's it's important to mention that you and I do share a common faith. And I think that that's an important part of developing a journey mindset. So I love that. I love that we both have that. So we already feel like we kind of have a destination set in place. So but one of the things that I wanted to talk about when it comes to the developing a journey mindset is that sometimes people have a tendency, myself included, I, I think I fall into this camp that I feel like, you know, once I get to this point in my life, then I'll be happy. Or once I reach this specific destination, then I'll be happy. When in all reality, you know, the more books that I read and the more investors that I listen to, I actually find out you know, it's those people that were able to enjoy the journey along the way that actually end up becoming most successful. So, you know, for us, that big destination most of the time, that's retirement. You know, that's people that are looking to get to that point in your life. So, man, I'd just like to start off by asking you, Ron, what does that mean to you to have a journey mindset? And uh, yeah, we'd, lo- we'd love to hear that from you. Well, it has, it, it sets off a lot of uh, word pictures and mental pictures to me. And I, I guess I, uh, I, I might have been the person that you were describing there when you talk about I'll be happy tomorrow or I'll be happy when. As a younger person, I uh, certainly lived in that world. It was a matter of getting through high school and, and getting uh, through college and then starting a work career, which I haven't had a broad work career, but I've had a few uh, few different types of jobs in, in very di- various uh, industries, as you mentioned, uh, 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 some experience in the broadcast, the local radio uh, industry and then moved in, into the financial services 
uh, in, industry, which I did in, in uh, 1992. But when you say this, it reminds me of what we've always known and we should be conveying to our clients or to the listening audience our, and who could be our prospective clients is that investing is not a short term it's not a sprint. That's right. This is a marathon. It takes a good long time, typically, but it takes a certain discipline. It's like, if you can recall what Christmas was like when you were a youngster, it took a, a whole year for, <laughs> for Christmas to, to reoccur, and it seemed like it was forever. It just didn't come and didn't come and didn't come. Well, when you get a few years behind you and you get into your 20s and your 30s and 40s and then beyond... The year goes by much, much quicker, mm. and it takes a discipline in investing. We all, as human beings, we're used to getting our hamburger at McDonald's or whatever drive-in restaurants you like to use these <laughs> I love, days. I love Dairy Queen. Well, there, Dairy Queen, there's a good one. I like Dairy Queen as well. Yeah. In fact, I like. if you look at me, I like all the <laughs> restaurants, as, as you can probably tell. Uh, but anyway, the point is, is Americans have gotten extremely impatient with yep. not just where they order their fast food, but they're impatient with their investing as well. Yep. And it's not that type of, of race. This is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Hmm. And and when you talk and say those words, it's, it reminds me that it isn't a sprint. It takes a good, long discipline. And it takes self-discipline. You have to do a couple of things. You have to manage your expenses. And we'll probably touch on that later. And the other thing that you have to do, in my opinion, is you have to get in a habit of every payday, you have to pay yourself first. Yes. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I think one of the things about this podcast is that we're going to be able to give people that financial roadmap that comes from, you know, the wisdom, the life advice, and kind of the principles that we've either learned or lived through that are just taught by some of the most influential investors or books or different guests that we'll bring on this show. But I'm telling you, Ron, you know, you bring a wealth of knowledge to this podcast. So I'm, I'm, I'm lucky to have you on for sure. But, uh, uh, you know, our plan is to start every single show with just a quick market update. And so if you don't mind me kicking it off, I, I figured I'd, I'd hit on some main points if, if that sounds good. Hey, that's been a field of interest for me for <laughs> 30 plus years. So I, I please do. Right on. So as everybody can imagine, we're right in the thick of this, actually towards the end of what we're hoping to be this quarantine, this season of everybody being inside and kind of being put inside for everybody's health, you know, and it's taking quite the toll on the economy. And so we're in a season where we've been hearing for a long time while this quarantine has been going on that there's a good possibility there could be a pullback. And by pullback, I mean just have another downturn in the market. And what's actually ended up happening over these past couple of days, to some people's surprise, is just kind of a, a steady increase in our market right now. If not a little bit of a, it'll go down, it'll go, it'll go up. And uh, so some of the other things that we're also paying attention to other than just what's going on with the coronavirus is the potential election. We have an election coming up this year. And so, you know, what a crazy whirlwind of events going on in the world right now. And then we just have unprecedented lows as well right now with oil prices. And so we're trying to get our heads around, what does that mean? You know, what does that mean for the market going forward? And what's the correct, you know, course of action for people to take? So Ron, what's, what's kind of your take on what's going on in the market right now? Well, I think we saw earlier when the, the virus or the pandemic was really when we isolated and figured out that we were actually uh, in a pandemic or we were headed that way, there was uh, quite a little bit of volatility in the market. We had a couple of days where it was down a couple thousand points and and then a couple of days it was up a thousand points here and there. And the market is really kind of kind of in in a some sense it's it's found its bottom and it's it's a uh, it's a little more stable than it than it was. Uh, all, albeit the the mar market is uh, by itself, by its own nature, is a very emotional, reactive yep. entity. And and at any given moment, if we find or have news that that uh, there might be a vaccine in the in the wings or in the pipeline that that could help us to fight this disease, it could cause an emotional exuberance, which could cause the market to go up. And and I don't think that that would be at all surprising. I think we're I think we may have, you know, and I don't say this because I'm a doctor. I didn't even walk on that side of the campus where the medical school was. I didn't, <laughs> I just didn't go over there because those, 
those brainiacs, I mean, they just would have found me out immediately. So, mm. uh, I, but I do read and I do know what the medical professionals are saying and that it seems and we've, we've seen and heard about this flattened curve and, and it looks like in most parts of the country we're seeing that. And there's a little more positive uh, information out right now that we are fighting our way through this. Yeah. And that's, that's of course, what Americans always do. And when they said to us to stay home, 99.9% of the American people were good with that. They did what exactly they were supposed to do. And I think now we, we start to see the payoff in, in the fact that things are beginning to open up. Um, it's an election year, and we've been through elections before. In fact, we've been through elections when, you know, uh, back in in the 1860s when uh, Lincoln for, ran for a second term. The nation was was totally divided. In fact, they were shooting real bullets at each other. Wow. And uh, and we still had an election in November, and uh, and we'll have an election this November. Yeah. Uh, who who will be elected? That remains to be seen. The American people. Uh, in their wisdom, will make that choice. Yeah. Uh, when you talk about oil prices, oil prices right now are—they're uh, just arbitrarily low for a couple of reasons. Number one, the Saudis and the Russians decided to pump out more oil at this specific time, just actually about a month ago, and and no pun intended, they flooded the market. And we really are pulling more oil out of the ground than we have places to store it. If you yeah. can believe that, yeah. So that's uh, that's caused uh, 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 some problems. Plus, the second biggest probably factor is is that with our stay at home order and and uh, shuttering and or sheltering in place, we're not going anywhere. If yeah. I mean, if uh, if we take a drive through town, that's probably about it. And that's not just us, but it's the whole nation. In fact, it's probably most of the world. So yeah, arbitrarily, when you don't have much use of oil, and there's a glut of oil, that means the price of oil goes down, because it always comes down to, or most of the time, down to uh, uh, the law of supply and demand. If there isn't any demand, and there's a high supply, the price of oil is going to go down. So, you know, I mean, I think it's arbitrarily low, and, and at some point in time, uh, it will come back. I don't know that uh, how high it will will come back. I mean, don't have a crystal ball. We don't really know that. So hard to say. So tough to say. So what what I wanted to sorry, go ahead if you got another point. Well, I was just going to say what course of action should we take at this point in time? Well, if you're if you're invested in uh, in good stocks uh, in, in as far as a financial uh, question is concerned, if you're invested in good stocks that uh, are are temporarily down because of the economic and the market uh, 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 downturn that we're experiencing. I think if you have good companies that you own and those are good mutual funds, you keep them. If there are uh, some opportunities there that that you have some losses, in, in particularly in, in non-IRA or non-taxable accounts, there's, there's not much uh, 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 choice to do anything there in an IRA or 401k because you don't get the benefit of tax loss. But if you have an outside account that's not an IRA or it's it's not a tax sheltered plan, then you may want to take a look at uh, uh, when when we get a little more market recovery, you might want to look at maybe weeding the garden, so to speak, and take, yeah. do some tax loss selling for uh, could even be done probably yet this year because the tax filing deadline is now no longer April 15th, it's going to be July 15th. That's so a great point. Possibilities there. But, uh, you know, the bottom line is, is it all fits in with this idea of, of long-term investing. If you're in something good, you should stay there. You made that decision wisely yep. some years ago or some time ago, and you haven't lost your decision to make, or your ability to make this good decisions. And identify those companies you own that are good and keep them. I was going to say that is a phenomenal point to make throughout this entire time. And I actually wrote an article about this, uh, just talking about, okay, what are good strategies to stick to during a time of volatility just like this? And if you did your homework at the beginning before this virus hit us and you liked what you were invested in before the virus hit you, yes, go through the process of being able to evaluate that fund and make sure it does make sense to be in this thing long term, but stick to the plan, you know, stick to what you know put you in the best position possible over a long period of time. And so I love that. It does take a little bit of uh, chutzpah. You know, I don't, I don't know what the right word is to, well, be, to be able to stay in. Chutzpah is the politically correct, <laughs> the politically correct uh, phrase to use. I know some, some of my friends would probably say something else, <laughs> but we won't use that. But I, I think, too, you know, it, it, all, it all comes down to – picture. 
uh, picture your financial plan as a roadmap and you know where you are and you know where you want to be. And this is one of those stops on the roadmap right now where we are. It's just another place that you might visit. This may not be a fond place that you we're visiting right now because of the market and the overall health of the of the uh, the physical health and mental health of the uh, of the American people and people around the world for that matter, but nonetheless it is a stop on the road. It's a good opportunity to pause. But here's the thing: you always want to know where you are, and that you do that by following your roadmap. And you say, "Well, here's where I am. Is this where really where I want to be?" And then you can make some corrective actions. I wouldn't recommend a lot of corrective actions right now. If you do have the hood spa, yeah, now is the time if you have cash <laughs> to invest the cash. You mm. know, we're the only business in the world when we have a sale. Yeah. And the market's having a sale. Yep. It's not a 50% off sale, but for a while it was about a 33 and a third percent off sale. That's a good point. Nobody likes our sale, but mm. they really should like our sale. If you have the money and have the hoods, but now is the time to deploy that money, put it into the market, and once again, add to those good, successful positions that you already have. I love that. I love that. And if you are somebody that doesn't have that financial roadmap in place right now, we'd love to talk to you. And you can reach out to us at 636-239-5000 if you're somebody that doesn't have that financial roadmap set in place. But that financial roadmap will only take you so far. So that leads us to what we're actually talking about today, Ron, which is lifestyle design. And so this is something that I'm really passionate about. And I thought it was a good first topic for us to really go with because when you really think about investing and where you want to put your dollars, I think one of the very first things you should consider is what do I want my life to look like? How do I want to set my life up in a way that allows me to put my investment dollars where they should be and, and in the wisest place possible? And so I think for a lot of different people, it depends upon what stage of life you are in. But I'd even argue that it opens up the door for a lot of people to be really intentional with what they're doing with their money, you know? And so what I have prepared for us today, Ron, are actually seven moves that people can make to set up the lifestyle that they want. And, you know, I'd love to get your thoughts on any one of these. So, so feel free to hop in at any time. But the first one that I have for us today is number one, figure out an occupation in life that allows you to have growth and opportunity. And Ron, this is something that I actually got from Coach Urban Meyer, the longtime football coach at the University of Florida. And uh, he also was a coach at Ohio State University. He talks about when he brings a player into his program, he wants to set him up for two things. He wants to set him up to have hope in the role that they're in, and he wants to be able to give them opportunity with what they're doing. And I think that same thing can be said for a job with whatever job we choose to go into in life. And so, you know, this is something that I wanted to start off with because I think it really does apply to all stages of life. And, you know, I think that that's a more motivated individual. I think that's a more engaged individual that's in a situation with hope and opportunity. And it may even be the case that at one stage in their life, you know, they may need to figure out, hey, what do I need to do to put myself in that position of growth and opportunity? And so the reality of the situation for most people is that your income is going to be your number one wealth building tool throughout your life. It is. It's, it's, it's incredibly important. The income is, is, uh, is obviously, uh, you know, they have a reason that they pay us to come to, to jobs. It's because that's right. Not, not everybody, <laughs> not everybody wants to, not everybody is happy in doing what they're doing. Yep. I, I think, Myself as an example, I have, uh, I've quite honestly, I've refused to work a few jobs that, that I just didn't want to do. I was unhappy to do it. Just, you know, there's a whole big world out there, and this is more important when you're young, to yeah. let you find your way and find yourself into a, a career uh, no matter what it is. And, and sometimes it, uh, uh, it can come down to this. My late father used to have a saying, and it's not his original, but it, he used to say, my happiness is not that I have more, but that I want less. Mm. Well, that's not a settlement statement. In other words, that you know, I'll just take what life deals me. That's not what it is. Yeah. But the, his point was, is be happy in what you're doing. And if you do that, you'll not only find some financial reward, but you'll find personal 
personal reward in what your work is, and that's incredibly important. I just don't think that we should live and work with a bunch of unhappy people who are unhappy doing what they're doing in the workforce. So I think it's right, it's well-meaning, and it's well-taken that you should find and do work that you're happiest doing. The financial rewards will come, sometimes in greater ex- to a greater extent, sometimes to a lesser extent. Yep. But, but to accumulate a lot of money and be absolutely miserable for 40 years in your work life, I don't think there's anything worse than that. I agree. I totally agree. And we actually have notes later in this uh, this show that talk about, okay, what does wealth mean? And, and a lot of the times it's not just financial, you know, is what we're talking about. And I think that it's up to you as the individual to figure out, okay, how is that income going to come in and that choice that comes along with that? So, you know, I, I personally love just the flexibility and opportunity that comes along with living in this country because almost everyone, no matter what situation you're in, with, with a, a good amount of exceptions, with a handful of exceptions, you know, given people that are put in really difficult circumstances growing up, I think most people have the ability to pivot and to make a change in their life if they feel like that's something they want to do and they're motivated enough to do so. And so, Ron, I mean, do you have any uh, thoughts on just people being put in this situation for growth and opportunity to provide for them, for their family, while also creating a future for themselves. Well, I, I do have some thoughts about it. I have to think that that for some people it's easier. I think it, uh, you know, yeah. de- depending upon uh, where you where you live, and and as children, we're not always we're not always in charge of where we live. It's it's a it's a it's a decision that's made by our parents. Um, I do think it's in this country it's easier for some people and harder on others. But I think where the, where the rubber meets the road is somebody, every successful person or has always made a cognizant choice to, to make a change in their life or to do something or want something different. And I think, and I don't begin to know as a psychologist how you create that desire in people. I have no clue. I have absolutely no idea. But I do know that those people who want something better in this country can find something better. And that's not, that's not throwing a stone at, at anybody that, that, uh, that's out there that hasn't enjoyed a successful life or that life has, has been difficult. Life in itself is, is not always easy, but it's like happiness. Nobody's in charge of your happiness but yourself. Yep. And you have to make choices to be happy, and you have to make choices to change your life, whatever the circumstances are. Yeah, and, and I agree. And, and I think, why would we bring this up You know, on a financial podcast? I think because that's the beginning to wealth creation, in my opinion, is having that purpose, having that motivation behind doing what you're doing. Because if you get to a point with a job where you wake up one day and you think, what am I doing? We were just talking about this over lunch. We were just talking about this and how you know, this is such an important thing to have because if your income is going to be your number one wealth building tool, what's driving my income? It's, it's my purpose. It, it, it's why am I in the job that I'm in? And so that's why we started off with, with this specific list. And this is why this is episode one of this podcast, because you got to lay the foundation. You got to lay the foundation for, for putting yourself in a good position to build wealth. And so if it's all right with you, Ron, we'll move on to our second point of the day. Sure. So the second point that I have for everyone is just don't play the comparison game and, and find a way to live below your means. And so you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Ron, but the only way that I know how to build wealth in this life is to find a way to live on less than what you make. And unfortunately, I mean, you can look at statistic after statistic of people that have just gotten into this lifestyle of spending more than they make. And when you're in our industry where you're looking for people that have the money to be able to invest, most of the time, it's people that have made enough sacrifices on the front end to save. All right, everybody hold your breath here. 15 to 20% of their income, that's usually the goal that we shoot for when we bring people in the door. Because I think, you know, that's my goal when I look at my expenses coming in every month. And it's tough. Holy smokes. I mean, I think about the money that I have coming in and, and today was just one of the days that, you know, we got a little bit of money in the bank and I got to I got to think, okay, where do I want my dollars to go to? So Ron, you know, do you have any examples uh, in your life of just kind of wise moves that you've seen people make over the years to put themselves in a position to invest? You know, I had a conversation some years ago with uh, a lady who uh, was a very, very dear lady. And she since she's passed on and she she's with the Lord now. But uh, she told me, she said, Ron, she said, get in a habit as a young person to pay yourself first. And I didn't, uh, that wasn't a difficult statement. 
It was easy to understand, but it wasn't always through life easy to do. But what she really meant about that was, it doesn't matter what you make, it's what you save. And if you get in the habit of paying yourself first, and I was a youngster mowing grass at the time, and uh, uh, and I opened up a, a bank account, and uh, she was kind enough to share that with me. And, and I can't tell you that I've done that each and every no. phase of my <laughs> life. Hey, we, we raised four kids, and, and uh, mm. that was, uh, that was uh, uh, you know, that was a financial undertaking uh, to raise them and educate them. And, uh, but anyway, I think, I think that's where it all starts. And it doesn't really hinge on if you invest it in the market or you put it in a savings account. It doesn't, it doesn't, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter because it does matter where the, the growth factor comes in. But the point is, is every time you get paid, you have to pay yourself first. I love you that. obviously have to have money to live. You have to make your, make your expenses, but save something back each pay period. Now you're talking about 15 to 20%. I got to tell you, that's pretty, that's, that's aggressive. Lofty. That's lofty. Lofty, That's baby. lofty. Mm. But I can tell you this. I, I know of some of our, our clients that are in retirement plans, uh, 401k plans that are deferring 15 to 20%. Those people are, are working in their, in their industry 10 to 15 years, and they are investing all-stars because they've mm-hmm. already got six and $700,000 in their 401k plans. It's, it's the key. It, it has to be very, very carefully designed, and it has to be your decision about what percentage to, to invest is important an important one, and it takes a lot of thought. But yeah, 15 20%, that's pretty lofty. Hey, I'm all about high goals. But you know one dynamic I love about this podcast, Ron, is I can sit here as a 26-year-old acting like I know what it's like to go through life while I actually have somebody on the other end of the mic that's been through it and, and can <laughs> give that perspective of – you know, fifteen to twenty percent ain't easy. You know, over uh, over a lifetime. So, well, you know, that's just his nice way of saying that he's just getting started, and, I, <laughs> and I'm just about about to finish. And uh, and he's not wrong about that. But yeah, you're right. I mean, hmm. it's a uh, it's uh, it's it's a it's a long journey, but it's a good journey, and it's one that's rewarding if you just get your head wrapped around that discipline of I've got to I've got to put some some money back. I just have to. And, and I can say as someone that is newer to this industry that I do love those times when I can just sit around a bonfire with my buddies. You know, I grew up or I am growing up in the age of social media where I have nothing but time to look at what everybody else is doing with their lives, where they're spending their money. And I know when I say that percent, 15 to 20 percent, and I look at the lifestyle that a lot of people are living on social media, I think to myself, there ain't no way. You know, there is no shot that these people are putting that much money into savings and investing with that kind of a lifestyle, which it's just, all right, you got a choice to make in your life and you got to decide what's important to you. So that leads to our third topic of the day, which is number three, figure out where you want your money to go and what is important to you. So Ron, we do have people, we do have clients of ours that enjoy traveling a lot or that enjoy spending a little bit more money on their passions. And honestly, there's nothing wrong with that. We don't think there's anything wrong with that oh, at no. all. As long as there's a plan in place to make sure that you're not spending more than you're making. And so, Ron, hypothetically speaking, I mean, like we've talked about earlier, you're a seasoned pro here. So what are what are some mistakes that you've maybe seen people make over the years when it comes to overspending and under planning? And, and what are some things that you've seen just people do to put themselves in wise positions that may have made a couple of mistakes along the way. Well, I, I will I will say this, and it's not in any way a criticism, but it is an observation. We went through a spell here back in the uh, in the early two thousands, two thousand four, two thousand five, six in that area, in that era, and maybe a little bit earlier than that, where we saw a lot of um, retirement people who were within the ten to fifteen year range of retirement. And there was a huge building boom in this country. And what we saw was a lot of people who had had their first home when they were first married. They had a second home when they raised their children. And the children were grown and gone and college educated, the most of them. And then mom and dad, for some reason, they bought a, a 3,500, 4,000-square-foot house and, uh, and did so because interest rates were fairly low. And, and now they're 10 to 15 years uh, away from retirement, 
and they've got a $200,000, $300,000 mortgage yep. that's there because of this last dream home that they that they built. And, and this is not a criticism. This is just what we see, and I'm not being critical. Uh, but, but then it makes it extremely difficult to talk honestly about retiring when you have this this uh, this to me three or four hundred thousand dollars may not seem like a lot of money to some people but to me that kind of mortgage is it would be somewhat daunting it'd be a little bit frightening to me so anyway you kind of have to maneuver around that um, many of those same folks had six seven hundred thousand in the in a savings uh, or a 401k plan a retirement plan but when you match that against the debt that they have, it's uh, it's challenging. It's a challenge yeah. to how to be retired, and there's a lot of times that you very delicately have to tell people, you know what, we have to we have to start to manage a little bit of the debt here before we can really t- t- talk in earnest about about retiring, and and most people got that. They yeah. really did understand it, and and uh, and those folks gladly were able, most of them, uh, until we had the big housing. Uh, burst in 2008, 2009, uh, those folks, they did come through that, but they did have to put off retirement maybe five years or, or maybe even a little bit longer to, to recover. It, it, it typically has a happy ending if, if home values continue ri- to rise, which they didn't in that little time frame, but then they have again started to, to the home values and equity is starting to rebuild in, in the housing industry. So that's, that's one of the things we saw. Uh, but there are a number of ways that, that, that uh, uh, people can do very, very wise things. Uh, in that same time frame, the people who were financially able bought rental property as an example. Great because idea. it was, yeah, yeah, it was a little bit on the, on the low side. It was somewhat depressed and people that had, had some investable dollars, they bought real estate. Now you wouldn't think a guy that's in the stock and bond and mutual fund business would talk about something about real estate that worked, but it was, it's, it's, it's one of the legs of the stool. I mean, real it's estate. An option. Yes, it's it is. An option. Yes, yeah. it is. Certainly yeah. is. We don't, we don't sell it. We don't do it, but nonetheless, it doesn't make it a bad investment. Yeah. If you can afford the investment, those people who could deploy that cash at that very time in 2008 and 2009, they uh, they were paid very handsomely, aren't paid very handsomely right now with the, the investment portfolio they have in real estate. So there's a lot of a lot of positives. I was going to say, and if you are someone that does like real estate as a possible investment, I mean that is that is one route you could look into. But make sure you know the specifics. Make sure you know the details. There is a process a process to go through that makes a lot of sense with real estate, and make sure you know all the implications that comes along with owning property. I know I've made the mistake of thinking, oh man, let's just put a little bit down and then cut a bunch of deals and make something work. When you look at a lot of people that have had success, a lot of the times. They saved. They saved a good amount on the front end to put themselves in a position where, say, a time like this happens where, oh, man, you know, I don't know if my tenants are going to be able to pay. Let's make sure you're in a position to be able to weather that storm if that does come up. And I think the other big point to make with point number three, which is figure out where you want your money to go, what's important to you. I think another huge point out of that is, look, your behavior matters. How you how you behave in relation to your finances, this is one of the biggest indicators of your long-term financial success. So I love getting the perspective from you and uh, just hearing what people have done to either maybe make uh, a mistake down one path or maybe find a way to correct it another way. So uh, moving on, Ron, our, our next uh, point is number four, understand what success means to you. And so, Ron, this is something that I think is important to define because I think it, it really does take a level of self-awareness that most people may never consider. I think they may just take, well, this is what the world says is success, so this is what I have to do. And so if success is to be able to provide for your family, to have a flexible schedule, to be able to take a couple of vacations a year, let's put ourselves in a position to be able to do that if that's what success means to you. And I think the reality of that situation is it usually requires a good amount of sacrifice on the front end, but that still doesn't mean that you can't find a way to enjoy the journey that you're on. And that's kind of getting back towards the journey mindset. That's the name of this podcast. And so going back to that journey mindset, I love the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I know a lot of financial people recommend that as one of the first books for people to read where it does encourage people, just like you brought up earlier in this podcast, to invest at the beginning of the month, right when you get your paycheck. 
and then you know just kind of get creative towards the end of that month if you got some some stuff that still needs to be paid for make it a priority to save and invest at the beginning so you know i think what success means to different people can be a cool thing for people to figure out on their own because i do believe it's different for everybody well i think that's right i know that the the european mindset is not so much spending our money and our life savings on what they call our little home castle because they typically aren't aren't geared that way. Uh, many of them rent, and their big joy in life is to go on holiday. In other words, to take a trip to come to the states or go to Australia or yep. or wherever they choose to go. Let's let's touch touch on that point. Okay. One of the things that I think as an investor you have to do when you're a good disciplined investor or a good disciplined saver, I think you have to build in some rewards from time to time. I think that's I most like important. rewards. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, and you should do that. Um, I, I think you do that with the idea that that we're going to make some money, we're going to save some money, and we're going to spend a little money to do the things that we enjoy. Because after all, it is a long journey, and there's a certain amount of of uh, life, just living life, and mm. its rigors takes something out of you. The only way that you can get even is by kicking back and enjoying some things, some time around a bonfire that you that yeah. you enjoy, or taking a a nice trip, but do so sensibly. Don't do it all on a credit card the way you spend the next three or four years paying the trip off. That's mm-hmm. not the idea. But there have to be rewards built back into the whole system. That's that's uh, that's the beauty of uh, of, uh, of of being a working person and uh, and saving and investing and being successful is is also rewarding yourself. So true, so true. And I think that a lot of different people have different things that matter to them, just like what I talked about earlier. And and something for me that's a huge, huge deal is my friendships, the friendships that I have in my life. And so if somebody were to say, hey, here's a chance for all of your good friends to get together, I'm looking at my bank account, I'm seeing what I got in there, and I'm seeing if it makes sense to be able to make it work. I may stretch my dollars because that's something that, that means a lot to me. And that, to me, is wealth. And I think that if you don't have those good friendships in place in life, I would look at somebody with a lot of money, but very few friendships and say, that person's not truly, quote unquote, wealthy, you know, if you really think about it in, in, in the right way. So, you know, I mean, Ron, if you had to define success for yourself, you know, what would you say that success looks like to you? Well, you know what? I, I, I haven't gotten there yet, so I bet I don't really know what it looks like from uh, from this set of of. Uh, from my perspective of what I see when I look at my life, I think it's, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's been fun. But what I do see that most successful people are those people who are typically f- true to themselves. Mm. They do work that's, that's honest, and they, they work hard. And uh, the people that I most admire are those people who have been successful and, and their sec- success hasn't really changed them in any way, shape, or form. I they're love sti- that. They're still the same people that they were when, when, uh, when I maybe knew them in high school or when I, that, or I knew them from the fraternity days or from, from college days or, or even earlier than that. Those people, and a good many of, of people that I know that have been incredibly successful, and the majority of them, the ones that I, I, I like all of them, the ones that I really like and respect are the ones that are the same people today that they were back 50 years ago. Yeah, so true. And I can say as a former athlete, former college athlete, one of the most disappointing things I can think of when it comes to, oh, man, I really looked up to this player or I really looked up to this person. Sure. And then I finally got a chance to meet him in person. And you're like, dang, what a letdown. What a you letdown. Know? Or yeah. that you could just tell that they – didn't want anything to do with that conversation. And and that's, you know, never a situation that somebody wants to find themselves in where they had one idea about somebody and then it ends up being something different. So, you know, I mean, I think that's a good thing to think about when you do think about success, because maybe for you, it could be reaching this specific point and getting to this specific group of people. When in reality, you meet that group of people and you're like, what was I thinking? You know, mm-hmm. man, oh man, this right. isn't exactly what I thought it was going to be. So, right. And you're so right about maintaining mm-hmm. your circle of friends. The, the people that meant something to you uh, earlier in your life, uh, if it was genuine and, and, and it, it should be, to really consider a friend. And that's a word I think that's used a little liberally at times. And uh, I give my, myself as an example. I still... On Thursday nights, I watch uh, NFL football with uh, with some of my high school friends, and and we've done this for years. And we spend New Year's Eve together. Typically, we uh, we uh, get together on the Fourth of July, and we get together on Super Bowl Sunday. But it's the same group of people, and that doesn't mean that we agree politically and and 
and in a lot of other areas of life, but we <laughs> yeah. we uh, we deeply care for each other and and they're friends by design and and uh, and we work incredibly hard to keep that friendship alive and keep it going. And I love that. And I pray to Jesus and I pray to God that I am in a situation in my life where I get to that point and I can say the same thing that you just said. You know, I think that's such a valuable thing to have in life. And well, so when you mention Jesus, you can't. Uh, there isn't a better friend mm. than you can pattern yourself. After. That's right. That's right. I love that. I love that too. So moving right along, we have point number five, and that is embrace the reality of today's financial world. And so I'll say that one more time. Embrace the reality of today's financial world. And so, Ron, I mean, the more I learn in this industry, the more I learn that if you're somebody that's not actively investing regularly, you're going to be a lot farther behind those people that made it a priority earlier in their life. There's no question about it. The idea mm-hmm. is is to start early. And even if it's a situation where you don't feel like you want to put the money into the market, hey, we're okay with that. Even though yeah. market investing is 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 what drives our company. What really drives our company is meet meeting the goals of our individual clients. We don't use a one size fits all uh, a process here. Each and every client is treated Differently, we treat each one with with respect. Some people, quite honestly, just don't have the taste or the stomach, or the they, they just don't prefer to be in the market. They just don't want to do that. Yep. There's nothing wrong with that. But the ideal still comes down to it. When you boil it all down, you got to pay yourself first. You got to put some money back. If you put it in the bank, it doesn't make you a bad person. It just makes you a good saver. Yep. Yep. So true. And, and I think it's such an important concept to grasp because it's the consistency of your saving and your investing habits that's going to lead, excuse me, to that long-term financial success. And I think one of the huge, huge things that I don't know how many times it was really even mentioned when I was in school was how massive compounding interest can be from an early age and, and when you allow it to work for you over that long period of time. And so I know one of the things that I always try to keep an eye on is just Man, I can remember when I was first getting into high school, if I wanted a new pair of shoes, if I was going to say, all right, I want to get, I want to get looking good. I want to get the, the best shoes on the market. A lot of the times they were maybe a little bit over a hundred dollars. And then I look at shoes today. I was looking at Jordan's the other day online and good night. I mean, some of these things, they're over 200 bucks. Sure. I mean, it has nearly doubled. And so just think about that over a variety of industries and think about that if you're somebody that's just been stashing cash away in a bank account, hey, you know, is that money really working for me over a long period of time? No, it's really, it's, it's, a, it's a savings mechanism. It, and sometimes people confuse a savings mechanism with an investing mechanism. A savings invest, uh, investment is, is uh, something that the money is safe, it's secure. It may pay a little return if, if you buy time deposits or certificates of deposit. Yep. They'll, they'll, they'll pay some money in time. What you, what you must, what, not you must, but a good idea investing, though, is to put some market money in the market, even if it's just a little. Yeah. And, and, and the goal that you want to typically get is you want at least a 7% return. Sometimes a lot of these mutual funds in a, in a, in a decent good year, they can, they can do double that. Yeah. They can, yeah. In a good and, year. And you want to get over whatever the inflation rate is. Now the government typically tells us, and inflation has been running, what do we hear? Two and a half to 3%. It's a good. Well, you know, yep. what's the, what's the real number? If the government tells us it's 3% inflation rate. You got to plan for at least four. Most you of the you time. really do. Yeah. You truly do. So you have to grow the money at least 4% to keep the purchasing power of $1 the same this year as it was last year. Yep. Yep. And that's that's somewhat problematic sometimes with uh, with just a savings account. A market account if you're invested in a, in a good mutual fund, I mean t- talk to your advisor and they'll they'll tell you what what the numbers are. Yep. And here again one thing that we need to remind people is when you invest in the market, we can we can't guarantee those results, but we can show long enough history to show what historically these investments have done, and and for the most part, those those can be a, a ch- attainable. So that's that's the way the process works. But a guarantee, nothing in our world is guaranteed. 
I was going to say, and I'm so glad that you also brought up that point of inflation. So there's two things you got to think about if you're somebody that's not currently investing or really just don't put a huge value on investing is A, the price of, of goods in America is going to continue to rise. And the second thing is just the cost of inflation. You know, those are two things that if you are not somebody that's in mutual funds. And if you're a younger investor, hopefully some growth mutual funds over a long period of time, some people could say, man, you're getting left behind. You know, you're not keeping up with, you know, just the the growth that's happening in the in the overall economy, you know, and, and just the cost of goods. So, you know, how can we put people in the best position to deal with that? That leads us to our next point, which is number six, have the right investment strategy. And, and, and if you got a point, you can, you can go ahead. But uh, I mean, we've hit on this a couple of different times today, but just one of the messages that we try to communicate to people on a regular basis is how important it is to be invested in the market as early as possible. And the, uh, the other huge consideration and with this point is, what are you invested in? Right. Well, the way we approach it here, and, and I don't think we're unique to this. I really don't. I think most... Yeah. Uh, most uh, people in financial, uh, the financial services industry do the same thing. We, we need to get to know you. We need to know what, um, there's a lot, of, a lot of language out there. Risk tolerance is, of course, one of them, but that's really a kind of a nebulous thing. But what we try to do is we try to get to know you a little bit. We want to know to help, and we try to sit down first and, and design a roadmap. We want to find out where you are, where are you on the map, yep. where is it you want to go, and how do you want to get there? Yep. And, and and by doing so, that's an analogy, of course. But what we're really saying is we want to know what your financial objectives are. We want to know where you're starting from. And we want to know how fast you want to travel. Yeah. If you want to take a rocket rocket ship, hmm. we're probably not the right place for you. <laughs> if Man, you had, it'd be cool to go to the moon. Well, it might be, but it's not that much fun, I'm thinking, as an investor. Because it's a, <laughs> it's a straight-up shot, and it's a straight-down shot. And yeah. I don't know that that's a comfortable ride. But anyway, the point is, is that we'll design a plan that's suitable and, and fits you. And that's the whole idea. If you boil it all down to what we do, we want to tailor a plan that's going to be comfortable for you. Now, there's a lot of people out there that have been made to feel bad or they've made to be, feel guilty that they're conservative and they don't like the market. That doesn't make them bad people. It makes them conservative. And yep. there's a place for that. We'll work with that as well. So true. So true. And, and I think if you are somebody, we've hit a lot on today, you know, a lot of kind of investing 101, laying a foundation for what it means to invest. If you are somebody that is already invested and you're already working with an advisor, I think it's important to just really, really know, okay, what is their strategy? What am I invested in? And I think one of the things that we've seen a couple of different times are there's a lot of people that they just kind of blindly accept what they're invested in. They don't really have a firm grasp or an idea of what they're invested in. And that's totally fine for some people. They may say, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to know what I'm invested in. But with times like these, with the coronavirus, what's something that can keep people invested like we've been talking about? It can be the confidence of knowing what they're actually invested in. You know, it can be the confidence of knowing, okay, I've put in a little bit of work on the front end or my advisor, better yet, took the time to explain to me and give us the right education. That does put us in that place of confidence. And if you're not somebody that feels like, oh man, I have a really good idea of what I'm invested in. And I know for a fact that I am in my, what, what best suits my risk tolerance might be a good time to reach out. Sure, you know? it would be a great time to reach out. And a lot of people will will think back now, you know, this is something that my advisor and I, we talked about. Yep. And and he or she told me that there were going to be times like this. Yep. That, you know, the market is, is going to be a little bit volatile. It's going to be somewhat unfavorable, even though, you know, early in the year we were at, uh, the Dow particularly was at record highs. And now it isn't. That happens. Yep. And, but but they'll think back to the time when they, they had the discussion. And that's one of the things that I think working with an advisor, a living, human, breathing person, <laughs> is so incredibly important because yep. there are times that you want to reach out to your advisor, and then there are times that you want your advisor to reach out to you. Yep. And you don't want to be in one of these markets like we have right now and hear crickets. I was going to say, Ron, one of the things that you taught me was that anxiety and fear's closest neighbor is doubt. Or maybe it was the other way around. Maybe I said it backwards. But, you know, the opposite end of the spectrum of confident, uh, you know, if you're somebody that's in that position of doubt, you know, 
doubt's closest neighbors are anxiety and fear. That's exactly right. And, and, you know, uh, whether or not I understood you correctly and was able to communicate it effectively. You got it. You know, I think that that's true. You know, I think that if you're not somebody that is in the position to do their own research on the front end, or if you're not somebody that does have an advisor that will reach out to you to let you know, hey, it's going to be all right, you know, Or, or even in this time of quote unquote uncertainty, unprecedented times, we look back at history. We look back at what's actually happened. So thankful for people like you that can kind of give me that perspective. Sure. Well, I mean, it's uh, knowledge is power. Let's face That's the right. facts. I, I've heard mm. I've heard a number of times people in bad marks, brokers will tell their clients, don't look at your statement. Mm. I mean, well, as tempting as that might be to say that, it's never yeah. a good idea for the simple reason that you always want to know where you are. I mean, if you're on that road and you're 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 following your map, you got to be able to see, hey, I didn't make a wrong turn somewhere. I'm still on the road where I need to be. Your your advisor will reach out to you or you can reach out to your advisor, but it's so incredibly important to have that human being, that 98.6 temperature human being <laughs> that can look at you and can talk to you yeah. and, and, and help you reason through it, where we are in this roadmap. How do we get to the next po- position, mm. the next location on the map? Yeah, so true. So true. And so, Ron, we're at a point in our show where, hey, this is the Journey Mindset podcast. And so why do we lay out these principles the way that we did? Because we really feel like when we were talking, okay, how can we help people develop that journey mindset? These were the points that we wanted to hit with. And so if you are, this is a, just kind of a quick little recap of what we've talked about up until this point. If you're number one in a position for growth and opportunity, if you're number two, somebody that lives below your means, number three, somebody that chooses where your dollars go, you figure out what's important to you. If you're somebody that knows what success means to you, if you're somebody that understands the realities of today's financial world and that the reality is, man, you gotta, you got to make investing a priority. And lastly, if you're someone that has the right strategy, and that's specific to each individual, depending upon their risk tolerance, obviously risk tolerance. Uh, but those are all things that we really feel like help people develop that journey mindset, enjoy each and every day that they have. And so... You know, Ron, do you have any, uh, you know, kind of final thoughts on those six points up to this point? Well, I think those are good bullet points that uh, that that are very, very helpful to understanding a person as a person yep. about more about yourself. And it, it investing is like anything else. It's it's only as good as the program is, and it's only as good as the program has been followed. Yep. And it's this is uh, these are points that help each individual turn a little into inter- perspective about number one about where they are in their work career do they like what they're doing or do they have the ability to make a move and may, or should they yeah. that, those are those are all questions that that uh, the other thing is 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 uh, uh, am I happy where I am financially and most people will very very politely say no I'm not they they'd like to have a larger portfolio and that's that's somewhat that's human nature but uh, the whole idea is is to to be a good investor you have to know and understand yourself and you have to have a person that you can work with or you don't have to but it's it's certainly the ideal way i think to have another person that can help you reason through through some of these things and it, let's face the facts there are times when the market just really really is uh, is frightening and, and right now is is a, a little bit of a, one of those examples to uh, have somebody that's your friend and you're confident that you can you can uh, you can have talk you through it uh, we don't call it talking, you know, you could probably call it talking you off the ledge because sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, uh, in this business, clients can get, get pretty spooked and, yeah. and with rightfully so, but it's important. But, but yeah, I think these six points are, are very rudimentary, very basic questions and, and observations that you should make before you become an investor. So true. So true. And I think, you know, as I look back on why we set this podcast up the way that we did, you know, I love being able to start off with this. I love being able to start off with, all right, let's lay a foundation for the money that we have coming in. And, uh, you know, I think it's just a a great, great thing to be able to look back on to say, all right, I've checked off these boxes. Now let's start looking into some investment strategy, which is going to be, you know, a lot of the following podcasts that we're going to bring up, or or we're going to have different topics that we bring on that, 
feel like put people in that best position possible. So Ron, if it's, if it's all right with you, you know, we get a handful of questions on a pretty consistent basis. And so I'm going to, I'm going to start off with one that just asks, am I better off to maximize what I can defer into my 401k before I invest outside of my 401k? And so, so Ron, I'll kick us off with, with my take on it. And then I'd love for you to follow up if you don't mind. So a general you know, rule of thumb with the 401k is if your company is offering a match, take it. And it's essentially free money that they're offering you. And so right. we always encourage people, at least invest up into that match. If not, let's max that thing out. Let's max out that 401k. And so you know, once you have that step knocked out, we can really reassess your financial needs and see if continuing to contribute to another retirement account is the right move for you. And uh, Ron, do you have any more thoughts on that? I do. A couple of thoughts. Number one is uh, the, the the beautiful thing about a four hundred one k plan, uh, in a in a, a typical four hundred one k plan, is that your deferral, the money you have withheld from your check, is it goes into the four hundred one k plan. The company typically will match a portion of that. Some companies do. Some companies don't. They don't have a match. Um, and in in the eyes of the IRS, the money that you have def- deferred that goes into your 401k plan, they don't even look at it as it's, it's, that you've even earned that money because it's, it's a deferral. It yep. reduces your taxes by the percentage that you actually have deferred. That's one, because to beat the tax man is something we all love to do, yep. and we should love that. Um, secondly, the thing that's, that's wonderful about a 401k plan, if you're in a work environment where you get an annual review and you get a, if you have a good review, you get a salary increase, the problem with most people, if you get an increase in pay, you you get an increase in spending. <laughs> That's it, true. Well, I mean, Very it's true. just it's yeah. human nature. It works that way. Yep. If you take and get a raise each year, and you defer that extra percentage, or you you take your raise, whatever that dollar amount is of that percentage, and add that to your four hundred one k, you've not seen the money, you haven't touched the money, you don't miss the money. Yep. Yep. And I think a huge huge benefit to a four hundred one k is as well is that it's protected from creditors. You know, I I think it's one of the, as far as I know, best ways to make sure, hey, I'm going to be stocking this money away for retirement. And that is different from from IRAs. And so that's something that people do need to consider when they're looking into retirement options. But if you're an employee at a company that has the opportunity to invest in a 401k, I think one of the coolest aspects of a 401k is the fact that, oh man, if somebody does come after my assets, they're protected. Sure. I mean, if, you know, we all pay our bills and we don't want to find ourselves in bankruptcy court, but there are certain situations where, I mean, uh, uh, this is a very litigious society. And if <laughs> sometimes if you, you get into a, a, an auto accident and somebody sues you for, a, a, you know, more than what your insurance company will, will pay, at some point in time, those, they can attach those assets unless it's your IRA or your 401k. Yeah. So true. So true. So the second question we have are, when times are uncertain like this, why not just pull all your money out of the market? Why even have your money in there in the first place? And so, Ron, you know, my immediate answer to that question would be some of the most significant gains that people have ever made in the stock market have been made in times of uncertainty. And, and if you're somebody that, uh, you know, anyway, just getting back to it. So the second thing that just needs to be taken into consideration is just, who really knows? Who really knows exactly what the market's going to do next? Well, that's just it. You don't know with, you know, you can maybe take an educated guess of when the market's going to go down. I always compare this if, if you've ever driven on a Ventura freeway. I mean, you got six mm-hmm. lanes of traffic going one way, you got six lanes coming the other way. Okay. At least that's what it was 20 years ago. <laughs> and, 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 and I'll make this analogy to pull off the freeway and get to the shoulder is not a problem. Yep. Pulling out of the market's not a problem. Yep. But once you've pulled off the freeway and you're sitting on the shoulder and you're not by an exit, you see how difficult the timing of all of that is to pull back onto the freeway. It's the same thing with pulling back in and putting money back into the market once you've been out. It's not an easy guess. Getting yes. out's not a problem. Getting back in sometimes is very, very tricky. And furthermore, it can be very, very costly. Now, I'm not going to tell you that there aren't times that you shouldn't do that. There's sometimes that the market is just so bad, or you emotionally just can't take any more of the volatility of the market, then it's the right time to be out of the market. You always have to do what's 
what is best for you as an investor. If you emotionally can't take it anymore, then you need to be out of the market. Definitely. And I think that's when it comes back to knowing yourself. You know, the first six things we were talking about. Exactly right. And it also has to do with the relationship that you always should have with the person who's managing your money and the ability to call or for them to call you and just do a little mental health check. How are you doing with all of this? You doing okay? Yeah. Here's what we've done. Here's what we think is going to happen. And, and, and to, to, to help and work together, it's always best to have a partner in these. So true. So true. And I think, you know, just looking at the types of calls that we get during this time period or, or really just any call in general, a lot of the time, you know, it's, it's big things in life. It's big things that are happening. And, and we're, I don't want to say dealing with, but we're addressing situations that are not easy. It's not easy to go through a lot of these situations. It's not easy to have a loved one pass away. It's not easy to, you know, lose a third of what you've saved up for an entire lifetime. And sometimes it's nice to be able to have somebody on the other end of that phone to be able to say, look, I've been through it before. Here's a strategy that we've taken that's been effective in the past. This is what we think might put you in the best position possible, depending upon the situation. Right. So. So, I mean, like my, like, like my point earlier, I just think it's important to know, hey, a lot, of, a lot of really good gains can happen in those times of uncertainty, but it's a, such a good point that you made, Ron, too. You got to know yourself. You, you got to know, know yourself, yourself, you know? So the third question, and this is actually the last one we'll have today, we're at right about an hour at this point, is, uh, you know, what do you think... Um, what do you think about this time being different in history? Meaning, oh, we've never had a coronavirus before. So this is an unprecedented situation. So how can we be sure that the market's going to come back if this is the case? And so my answer to this, Ron, and I'd be curious to get your take on it, is just, you know, we're part of something that's, that's speaking about the economy that has been up and until this point, the most successful economy in the history of the world from a growth standpoint. And so the wisest thing that we can do at times like this, when we make investment decisions, is to look back on the past and to see what's happened. And so, Ron, every single other time in history, we've been able to battle through this and come out on the other side. And so I know for me, I never want to bet against humankind. I never want to bet against humans' ability to be creative, to innovate, and to overcome a challenge, Ron. And so how do you think you would answer the question of somebody that does have that fear of, Oh man, we're at we're in something that we've never seen before. Well, it's it's it, it certainly is unplowed ground. We have not been. Uh, I, I don't want to use the word locked in our houses because we haven't technically been locked in our houses. It's been, it has been somewhat. Uh, it's disconcerting to people um, because it's not typically the American way. But the one thing I have observed through the 30 years in this business, we've had a lot of reasons that the market and the economy has gone uh, haywire. Sometimes it's been the build, building industry. It's sometimes in in the uh, early 90s or the, the, uh, some years back in the early 80s, I should say, interest rates went incredibly high to, to 20%. There's The economy is always uh, a moving target. There's always the next dragon to slay. I think people are a little bit frightened this go around because of the uh, shuttering at home and not being able to associate with people, friends and family and and uh, go to the grocery store to buy groceries or go to the barbershop or the beauty shop to get her, their hair cut or, or go to church to worship. Those are very disconcerting things, but we can begin to see the beginning of the end of all of that. We're starting to unwind, as the, as the government would say. And we talk about the government. The government can only do so much. But the one thing that I'm always convinced, and I'm, I guess as an American, I'm prideful of the fact that um, the governments will come and go, the political leaders will come and go, but the strength and the resolve of the American people has been there for 200 plus years and it didn't go away because of the coronavirus. That's right. It didn't go away. Mm. It's still there and we'll fight our way through this like we have everything else. Oh my gosh. I couldn't have said it better myself. I love that. And so guys, we've been going at this podcast now for a little bit over an hour. And so I wanted to let you guys know what's the best way to reach out to us. And so you can find us at www.cornerstonethenumber2invest.com or you could also find me on my personal website, S-E-A-N, 
U-L-L-R-I-C-H.com, SeanUlrich.com, which will actually give you access to more of these podcasts. And Ron, I know that I'm really looking forward to kind of digging in a little bit more in the meat and potatoes of what people could potentially do to put themselves in those good positions financially. And Ron, we missed just a huge, huge thing today, which is today is your first official day of retirement, Ron. So what kind of of words of wisdom do you have for the people back home after going through... Well, I, I, I'm a, I was a little, I'm a little surprised that you brought that up. Um, so, I mean, as as you probably have just witnessed in the last hour, I'm a real bucket mouth. I uh, I've always got a comment for everything, but I'm I'm not really sure how to react to this. But I, I will say this: it's uh, it's a new phase in my life, and it's one that that I think I can uh, I think I can enjoy. Um, I I plan to spend a little more time. At home and and with family, you know, of course, everybody says that. But the yeah. truth truth of the matter is, is I yeah. want to do a lot more fishing, <laughs> <laughs> hanging out with me. Well, yeah, I'm going to hang out with you and do these podcasts, and I want to I want to play with my old classic cars and, and do those types of things. But uh, it's been a great ride for me, Sean. I, yeah. uh, I I love what I do. I love the people that I work with. But most importantly, Sean, I love the people I've worked for through the years. I've been so incredibly blessed, and blessed is the right word. To uh, to work with the people I've uh, had as clients, I mean, just wonderful, wonderful folks. And uh, um, I'm not gone, not for now. You know, I'm still hanging around. Hey, we're happy to have you. Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> you're just nice. Uh, uh, not sometimes. everybody in the office may fe- might feel that way, but you're just you're just being nice. Uh, but uh, I am going to be around. But yeah, it's a it's a brand new day for me. It's something something brand new. So hey, it's a it's a great team we make, in my opinion. So I'm going to tease. I'm going to tease our next episode, and I might say we can look at what are the ten commandments of retirement and what are those. You know, you and I have talked about these before. So we follow a guy who did write out 10 commandments of retirement that we think are really cool. And I even like to try to mention them when we do meet with clients. So be sure to tune in next week to try to find out, hey, if you are somebody that's close to retirement, what are those 10 commandments? And uh, we'll be happy to go through them with you. So once again, guys, this is uh, my name is Sean Ulrich and uh, this is Ron Shear. We are financial advisors or financial advisor at Cornerstone Financial Consultants in Washington, Missouri. And like I said, today is actually Ron's first day of retirement. So he may not uh, hold that that title today, but I got to say, Ron, I, I'm I'm super happy that this first podcast went the way that it did, man. And I'm uh, I'm just happy to have you on. Likewise, Sean. It's a, it's a pleasure. It really is. Absolutely, man. So we will uh, see you guys with our next episode and we are looking forward to bringing you the next episode of The Journey Mindset. Thanks for tuning in. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research, a broker-dealer, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and Cornerstone Financial Consultants are not affiliated.